Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. It's so good to have you if you're a guest Thank you so much for coming and being with us today. If you're uh, maybe just coming back to reconnect, reconnect with your faith, and it's a tradition, you came on Easter, uh, we encourage you to come back every week. We're starting a new series next week entitled Breakthrough, and it's going to follow up on what we're talking about today. We're talking about how he broke out of the tomb, but he broke out so we can break through, and we're going to look at how we have that breakthrough in our life, so we invite you to come back and be with us each and every week. Uh, stand with me, take your Bibles out and turn to Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28. We, have, uh, we are worshiping right now at five different locations, six different campuses, and we're glad you are here this morning. For those who are watching by streaming, we have many people stream from all over the country and around the world, and we welcome you as well this morning to our live stream service. Matthew chapter 28 and verse number one. And after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen as they said. Come and see the place where he lay. Father, I thank you that you invite us in this morning to see where you laid, to see where you walked out, to see what you did for us. We thank you, God, for your word. Your word is powerful and quick. I pray it will do its intended work today. We love you. We thank you for your sweet presence here already. We give you all the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Turn to someone, tell them they look great today on this Easter Sunday morning, then you may be seated. This was no ordinary Sunday, uh, Sunday morning. It, it was a, the Bible says it was a violent earthquake. It was 7.8 on the Richter scale. I don't know, maybe, we'll see. Somewhere around there. It was big, and, and an earthquake took place, and it announced, it was kind of like the announcement was going off, a new day has dawned, something amazing is happening, a new beginning, a new start, and it all began with that earthquake on that Easter Sunday morning. The lion was roaring. Death was going through an upheaval, and so all this is happening and taking place. The bars of the tomb were beginning to burst open when the king awoke from his sleep of death, and he roared like a lion, and the entire world shook. There was a violent earthquake on that day. Jesus was placed in the prison of the tomb as a hostage for his people. Therefore, it was fitting that he not break out by himself. So God sends his angel, Deputy Barney Fife. You don't know who he is. He's my, my time. And he comes down and he has the keys and he rolls back the stone. And the Bible said he left himself sitting on top of the stone because he was paying the ransom for our sins, but that debt had been paid. And so now it was time for him 
to break out, bust loose, and be set free. You see, he went to the cross for you and me. He died to take our place. It should have been us on that cross. It should have been us who was crucified, but he took my place. And he willingly laid down his life. I will tell you, the devil didn't wipe out Jesus Christ. It wasn't the Roman soldiers that even killed him, although they played a major part in that. It wasn't the scribes and the Pharisees that accused him of blasphemy and had him put to death. But the Bible says Jesus Christ willingly laid down his life for us. He died because he loved you so much. You know, the Bible has a plan and purpose for everybody that we might have life and have life more abundantly. And if we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall have everlasting life, eternal life. And so he came to take our place so that I could have everlasting life. That's how much he loves you and how much he loves me today. God cares about us. I will tell you the cross was a cosmic showdown between good and evil. The Bible says Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible also says he prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I want you to notice that word like. He is a wannabe lion. He is not the lion of the tribe of Judah. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And even though as Jesus Christ hung on the cross, he died as the perfect sinless lamb of God to take away every single one of our sins. Uh, when he walked out of that tomb, he roared like a roaring lion and he proved himself to be the king of kings and lord of lords once and for all through his resurrection. But he gave his life for you and for me. Satan thought he'd won. I can imagine as he saw him hanging from the cross and he heard Jesus utter those final words, it is finished, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He thought he'd won. Probably set off a major celebration in hell itself. But I will tell you, as they were driving the nails into his hands and into his feet, they were simply driving the stakes into the heart of Satan because that was his greatest victory on Calvary, on the cross for us. He won. He won. He took our place. And in those moments, the Lamb of God became the lion of the tribe of Judah, the real lion, and his roar would shake the earth and open up that tomb. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to die for you and I, that we might have everlasting life. But he also, the Bible says, went to the tomb for us, gave his life, went into the tomb. Now, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 16, and look, if you would, at verse number one. We have a Mark's account here. By the way, Matthew's the only one to record the earthquake. He also records the angel himself rolling back the stone and sitting upon the stone. Uh, Mark picks it up with three ladies, three ladies who are making their way to the tomb, and they're there for a special purpose, to anoint the body. So let's read it in verse number one. And then when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Now, the ladies are so excited to get back to Jesus Christ. They're so anxious to go and be able to anoint his body and touch him again and see him again and put the spices all over that body that they forgot one minor detail. There's a stone in front of the grave. 
Scholars estimate that stone could have weighed as much as 2,000 pounds. Can you imagine a couple ladies, three ladies, trying to roll away a 2,000-pound stone from in front of the grave? For these, low, for these ladies, that stone represented that insurmountable obstacle that gets in our way, those insurmountable difficulties that we all face throughout our life. Some of you guys have faced those same kind of insurmountable difficulties. Disease. The doctor comes back and says, you got cancer in your body. You got death, pain, brokenness, past hurts, broken relationships. For some of you, the stone is that insurmountable debt that you can't seem to get over and crowds in on your life and so you're bound up in debt today. Represents an insurmountable difficulty. For the disciples, the stone meant defeat. It meant failure. They had been with Christ for the last three and a half years and they wondered, we thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was the one that was gonna deliver us and now he's dead and now he's gone and there's a huge stone blocking the tomb. It's death, death, defeat, separation from God, condemnation and failure. It's the way sin is in our own lives. Sin condemns us, means condemnation in our life. We face that stone of failure. And sometimes we carry that sin around and we try to justify it and rationalize it and say it just doesn't really matter today anymore, but you still feel the pain and guilt of your sin and it's like that stone that separates you from God. It separates us. For some, it's a stone of addiction, stone of bondage, a stone of habits in your life that keep you bound in darkness. And we cry out like the ladies coming to the tomb that morning, who will roll away the stone? Who will set me free from my bondage? Who will take me out of my despair and my grief? Who will bring relief? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had come to the Roman Pilate, the governor, and they said, make the tomb as secure as you can. They said that after three days he would rise again. And if they come and steal the body, it will be worse for us if the body's gone. And so go ahead and make it secure. Go ahead and put a seal over top of the tomb. Go ahead and place a Roman guard all around that tomb. You can imagine what the guards must have been thinking. Why are we guarding a dead man today? How many know you can't make anything secure if the Lord's hand's in it and he's over it? The devil did everything he could to kill him and keep him in the grave. The Romans did everything they could. The Bible says they made it as secure as they knew how. But Sunday morning is coming, and that stone is going to roll away. Which leads me to my third point. It's simply this. He rose from the grave for you. Verse number six of our text, it says, He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Now let me let you in on a little secret. The stone wasn't moved so Jesus could get out. The stone was moved so the ladies could come and see and go in. And so it is today. I, we, we just uh, a few months ago, we were in uh, the Holy Land in Jerusalem, and we saw the place of the garden tomb, Gordon's tomb, and we saw the the. the the size, the stone, the, the opening that was there. And one of the highlights was being able to go inside 
and look inside that tomb. And there's a, there's a fault line that runs across the top of that. There's a huge crack that runs across of it that said it had to have been caused by an earthquake of some sort. And so we got to see where they laid the body, where they think the body of Jesus Christ may have been laid. And so the stone is rolled away not for Jesus, but how many know he could walk through walls? And so when the disciples are in the upper room, all he does is just walk through the wall, appears in the group. It didn't have to be rolled away so he could get out. It had to be rolled away so the ladies could get in. And so it's rolled away today so we can come in and see. When the obstacle seems insurmountable, the stone's rolled away. These women encounter the risen Lord, and from that point on, their lives will never, ever be the same. You see, so many times we are staggered by the stone of our difficulties, the stones of our failure, the stones of our grief, the stones of our fear. But I want to tell you, never ever give up because the angel can roll away your stone. And they're going there in the morning of the darkness. The Bible says very early in the morning they came to the tomb, the place where Christ had laid. It's in the dark hours where they can't see where they're going and they don't know what's ahead of them. I want to tell you, in your darkness, when you don't know where you're going on and you don't know what's going on around you, continue to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Never, ever give up. Because of the resurrection, there is always hope. In Matthew 28 and verse 2, it says, the angel rolled back the stone and he sat on it. Not only does he roll back the stone, he takes authority over the stone. I don't know why, he just tired, wore out, rolling the stone around, wanted to sit down, wanted to take a break, wanted to rest, but he is positioned sitting on top of the stone. And the good news today is not only can he take away your cares, your problems, your troubles, and your trials, but he's able to take authority over that thing by sitting on that and giving you freedom in your life from whatever slows you down, holds you back, whatever bondage there may be. He's sitting on the stone today. Now, I want to take you back from the perspective of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's laying on a slab inside the tomb Cold slab. The Bible says he's wrapped in grave clothes from his head to his toe. And I just kind of wonder what that moment of recitation must have been like. Resuscitation. I think I said that right. Resuscitation. To get an idea, I think we got to go back to creation in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, you see God creates all the heavens and all the earth. And in, verse, in chapter two and verse number seven, he makes man and woman, and then it says, and the Lord God formed man from the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now you see the very first life coming to that very first man. It's very interesting, the word breath in the Hebrew language is the root ruach, which is also the same word we use for spirit, Now, there's a word picture in that word, breath, that was used often. If you would ever force air across burning coals of fire, those burning coals of fire can ignite again and come back to life and begin to burn again. And so you have this picture of the burning coals of fire coming to life again. And so all this is taking place. And so the Holy Spirit breathes across that tomb. The breath of God comes back into the Lord Jesus Christ. His spirit is reunited with his body, and he is going to walk out of that tomb. He is resuscitated. Anybody in here, uh, a first responder, work with the fire department, uh, does CPR, knows how to do CPR? Let me see your hand. It, it's interesting that, uh, 
It's interesting that when you do that, what happens is you push down as hard as you can on the chest of the person who may have died. And so you push and you push and you've got to push so hard that in the process you may even crack some ribs. In fact, a doctor said it's better crack a couple of ribs and, and bring life back to a person again than let the person die. And so they push on the heart. At the same time, they breathe through the mouth. They hold the nose, they breathe through the mouth, and they do it. It's interesting, the rhythm that they do it to is the same rhythm to the, to the Bee Gees song, Staying Alive. <laughs> Staying alive, staying alive, ah, 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 ah. And you do it just like that. Uh, I, I asked Kenya to let me sing a solo, and he said, no way. You're not doing it. But I got the mic now and I can do whatever I want to. And so. But what is happening is when you push, you are compressing the walls of the heart, forcing the blood to flow. You're breathing into their mouth at the same time, allowing air to get down into their lungs, into their heart. And they, they continue to carry oxygen throughout the body. And they will do that for sometimes up to 45 minutes at a time, trying to bring life back into that body, okay? Now let me tell you something. God has created you to experience abundant life. To experience life and life more abundantly, it says in the word of God. He wants you to know that life. So when you were born, you begin to breathe that very first, that doctor swatted you and you started crying and coughing and breathing for the first time as you came out of your mother. But the Bible said there's a second birth that he has for you, that he wants to come in and breathe spiritual life into your dead spirit. The Bible says our, we are dead in our trespasses and sin, but then God wants to breathe on you through his Holy Spirit and resuscitate you from the dead. That's all the work of the Holy Spirit of God breathing upon you that you might have the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. God created you. He went to the grave for you. He went to the tomb for you. And the stone was rolled away for you that you might have everlasting life. Sometimes there may be a shaking that goes on. Sometimes God allows compressions to come our way. Sometimes a rib or two is cracked in the journey of our spiritual pursuit of God. And we go through a trial, or we go through a test, or we are forced to get on our knees and cry out to God for help. Sometimes God allows that obstacle or stone to come your way so you can cry out to the Lord and come to know him as Lord and Savior. But whatever it takes, God wants to bring life back into you again. Spiritual life, raise you up. Now what does the resurrection mean for us today? Three things, I wanna give you this very quickly. Number one, first of all, it takes care of my past. Second, it takes care of my present. And third, it takes care of my future. It is all because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It takes care of my past because it says in Romans chapter four and verse 25 that he was raised again for our justification. Now that word justification means just like I have never sinned. And so when Christ went into the tomb, our sins went in the tomb with him. When he walked out of the grave, he took our sins with him out of the grave. And it's just like now, we have never ever sinned because Christ took every sin upon himself. Now the Bible says we're justified by the resurrection, not the cross. 
The cross paid the price for my sin, the resurrection completed the process, and he carried my sin away. Isn't that awesome? All your past sins are gone. The moment you say, Jesus, I need you, come into my life, you stand clean and holy and pure before him. I don't care what you may have done, your past is gone. It went into the tomb with Jesus, it came out with him, and he carried it away. The second thing it does, it takes care of my presence. Listen to me, when he rose again, first of all, when he was in the grave those three days, that you get this imagery of him going down into hell, grabbing Satan by the nap of the neck, throwing him down in the ground, and it says in Revelation, he took away the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Keys speak of authority, to open and close, to lock and to unlock. It speaks of spiritual authority. He took those keys away from the enemy, and now he holds the keys. That means death, hell, and the grave are conquered in my life when I believe in what Jesus Christ did. The Bible also declares that when he rose from the dead, he was declared to be the king of glory, the king of kings, and lord of lords once and for all. What does that mean for me? It means right now, he can be the lord of my life, he can be my king, and I can have spiritual authority through him. Wow. Ephesians, Paul writes the Ephesian church and he says, I pray that you might know the power of his resurrection. Not in the future, right now, we have resurrection power. Right now, I can walk in spiritual authority in him. Takes care of my present. Those stones, those bondages, those habits can be broken and I can walk in freedom today. The third thing is he takes care of my future. Because he lives, Paul says, I shall live also. You see, there was something going on on that first Easter morning, that resurrection day. When the stones are rumbling and the earth is quaking and the angels are doing their thing at the tomb, something else was going on. A couple of priests made their way down from the temple. They went all the way down to the barley fields. They went down to the barley fields and they took a sickle, just an ordinary sickle, and they took it and they, and they went in, in the barley field amongst all this whole field of barley, huge field, but they cut out just one shock of barley. And they took that back into the temple on the Feast of first fruits. And they took that barley and they waved it before God as a wave offering or a thank offering. What are they doing? It's the very first fruits. They are thanking God that all the rest of the barley in that field is one day gonna be harvested. Not only the barley, but the wheat and everything else. It was the Feast of First Fruits. 50 days later, they would celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, which was a harvest festival or a harvest feast. What they were saying in that is, as the first fruits is dedicated to you, so we believe it guarantees God is gonna give us the rest of the harvest. Now listen to what the Apostle Paul writes. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the what? First fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. His resurrection, way before the Lord, is a guarantee that my resurrection day is coming. So he takes care of my past and my present, and I will live with him forever and ever and ever. And one day, because his stone was rolled away, my grave is gonna open up, my mausoleum's gonna open up. I don't know where they're gonna stick me or put me, but that ground's gonna have to give up its dead. Why? Because Christ has been waved as a first fruit offering on that resurrection day. Hallelujah.
That's what it means. The devil wants you to think you're a lost cause. He wants to tell you you've got no hope today. There's no hope for you whatsoever. He wants to tell you those stones of regret and those stones of failure and those stones of sin will always be weighing you down and pulling you down and tries to convince you there is no hope whatsoever. But Jesus Christ did something. He cut in line and took my place on the cross. Then they took his body and put it down in a grave. And there he carried my sins, but when that stone rolled away, he carried my sins right out of that tomb. And that same stone can be rolled away in your life. I don't care whatever obstacle it is, what you feel is holding you back, why you say, I can't follow Christ right now, Pastor, I can't give my life to him. You don't know my life. You don't know how many trials I have, how many problems I have. When I straighten everything up, then I'm gonna get back in church. I'm gonna come back to God. I'm gonna work this thing out. You can't do it on your own. You need God to roll away that stone. You'll be just like those women. Who can roll away the stone? I've got news for you. God can take care of it for you today. No matter what it is, God loves you. God cares about you. He has made you for so much more, created you for so much more in him. It is life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for you today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you, God, for everybody that is here today. I thank you, mighty God, that you love them so very, very much. I thank you, God, that the cross says you love me, the tomb says you love me, the risen Lord says you love me. I thank you for that today. God, I pray for those here today who may not know you as Lord and Savior, that this morning you will come in and breathe new life into them and resuscitate them and make them a child of yours. Do your holy CPR, we pray. Jesus' name, every head is bowed and every eye closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor, pray for me, I wanna invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart and to come into my life. Slip up your hand right now all over this building. We're gonna pray for you this morning. Yes, sir, God bless you. Thank you so much. Is there someone else? You may slip your hand down. Yes, sir, God bless you. Anyone else, you'd say, pray for me. I'm ready to give my life to Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Someone else, you'd say, pray for me. I want to invite the Lord. I look in the balcony. Is there anyone there? And say, pray for me. Yes, God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. You may slip your hand down. Is there someone else? You'd say, pray for me. I want to invite the Lord to come into my life today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Yes, God bless you. Yes, thank you so much. You may slip your hand down in the back. God bless you. Anyone else? You say, I need Jesus. I'm ready. I'm ready. I need a new life. Yes, God bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? The Bible says if you can, yes, ma'am, God bless you. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. That's the promise in his word. Now, you've acknowledged your need of God by raising your hand. You believe on him or you wouldn't have even taken that step. We're gonna help you confess that out loud. I want everybody to stand with me. If you'd all stand together, we're gonna pray a very simple prayer. I wanna ask the whole body to help you out. We've all prayed this prayer at some time or another or something similar to this prayer. And then ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into our heart. So let's pray it again. If you don't know the Lord and said, I need him, just 
Pray it with faith believing that God's gonna touch you and save you today. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. And I believe you died and rose again for me. I ask you now to take all my sins away. I know that I'm a sinner and there's no way I can save myself. But I thank you, you love me so much. Now come and live inside of me and with your help from this day on, I'm gonna follow you as the Lord and Savior of my life. I thank you now for saving me. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise. Celebrate with all those who acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Lord today. Now, after this service is dismissed, we're going to open up these altars for all those who said, I need Jesus Christ. You've acknowledged it. We've got a little book that's going to help you in your new walk with the Lord. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to give you a Bible to take with you so you can start reading God's Word and get into God's Word. I encourage you, get involved in our next series, Breaking Through. It talks about breaking bondages and strongholds, those things, the kind of the how-tos of how all that works out, looking at God's Word together to see how He helps us to do that. If you have another need in your life, you need prayer for healing, there'll be some that'll anoint you with oil, they'll pray for the sick, or you have a problem or crises you're going through, we're here to pray with you today. I wanna thank you guys so much, so much for being here. Now let, I wanna pray for you that God will help you with your stones, your rocks, whatever challenges you're facing right now. Let's pray together, and then Aaron's gonna come and close out the service today. Dear Jesus, I I thank you for everybody that's in the room today. I thank you, God, that you love them so much, and you know exactly what they're going through. You know the challenges they are facing in their life. You know the the things that they struggle with in their own personal life. You know those uh, uh, things that they're facing that are coming against that create fear and burdens and bondage. I pray this morning they'll have faith to believe that you can roll any stone away, and not only that, but take a over that in their life. Help them every day to walk and live in that newness and the power that you have for them. And we thank you, God, for your presence. And we give you all the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Give the Lord praise one more time. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.